Welcome to the Shrink Think Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Nathan. And we're both licensed professional counselors in Oregon, here to bridge the gap between therapists and clients. We are your companions on your journey to build your healthcare practice, yourself, and your relationships. To get you started, we've created a free email course on our website. Head over to shrinkthink.com forward slash podcast, where we've got practical steps on overcoming fear and anxiety. Thank you for joining us on the Shrink Think Podcast. Hi folks, Gordon Brewer here, and if you don't know me, I'm the person behind the Kindness and Compassion podcast, which is part of the Psychcraft Network of Podcasts, and I'm so proud to be part of this network along with Nathan and Aaron and the great work they are doing to help people in their lives and in their journeys. And if you haven't discovered the Kindness and Compassion podcast, you can find us wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'd love for you to join me as I explore both the psychological and spiritual and emotional sides of how we can live into more kindness and compassion in our lives. It's a podcast devoted to helping people find peace and contentment in their lives through the practices of kindness and compassion. You can also check us out at kindnessandcompassion.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Shrink Think podcast. We are starting a new series here. Um, I'm not sure exactly how often we'll get into this, but we'll try to kind of hit these back to back to back uh, because ultimately, really, this could be probably its own podcast. And I know there is one actually, I think. Yeah, there are. I mean, there are podcasts out there on this very subject. That's the only thing that they do. And so it would be really easy to spend uh, 10, 15, 20 months, yeah, months, yeah, years, uh, episodes just covering the Enneagram. Um, and I know whenever I say that, people are like, the what? The any? Like, what is that? <laughs> it's like performing for the camera here. Um, <laughs> child at heart. Um, the Enneagram, it's E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. And it's describing the shape. It's like the circle with nine points around it. And the the points connect with certain other points on across from it or whatever, um, ultimately creating this like diagram that describes nine different personality types with each one with its own specific motivation and fear. And so before we get into like how that actually works, um, I want to just explain a little bit more about the Enneagram in terms of like, well, how is it like, what is it? How is it different from other like personality tests or personality um yes sur- surveys surveys or whatever you want to call them assessments um essentially the way i like to describe it is when you think about like the myers briggs uh the mbti myers briggs type indicator for example out there that one operates off of the big 5 uh personality um the like characteristic characteristic thank you that's the word and um, I can't remember what they are off the top of my head. I know my son, Daniel, knows them. He's all, he's a nerd about that. He knows all of it. Actually, I've learned a lot from him just having a conversation with him. But it's the big five. Those are pretty well researched and they're great. But I look at the Myers-Briggs as being the what of your personality. It's very concrete. It's static in that sense. And, and so these are the things that if you've ever heard of the Myers-Briggs, people would say like, 
oh yeah, what are your letters? You're like, I'm in um, ENTP. Yeah, ISFJ. Yeah, ENFJ. ENFP. ENFP is the big yeah. one in the counselor world. ACDC. No, that's not what I'm <laughs> Uh, but it's like, <laughs> what are all these letters? You know, they, they're essentially referring to like some introversion, extroversion, I versus E on one side of it. On the back end, you're talking about judging versus perceiving. Um, that's another piece of it. And then on the middle, you've got these um, observer functions, like how do you observe information? Do you observe based on looking at patterns or based on gathering sensory information? That's going to be your N or your I. Um, intuition or sensing. sensing and then also your decider function like how do you make decisions is it based on feeling uh, like how you feel or is it based on uh, logic and rationality which is um, the t thinking so that's how you get like the i n f j kind of a thing um, so anyway the myers-briggs that's the what of personality it's interesting it's great stuff out there i've always enjoyed taking that and in case you're wondering, I am an E-N, and I go back and forth between F and T, but E-N-F-J is probably where I usually land. I am an E-N-F-P or an E-N-T-P, depending on if I use toilet paper. Go into the bathroom. <laughs> <Right. laughs> Much more of a thinker there. Yeah, I guess. That's, probably think, that's where the thinking happens. <laughs> So that's the Myers-Briggs. Okay, the Enneagram. That's what this episode is about. The, the Enneagram, on the other hand, though, is about, it's the why of personality, which to me as a psychotherapist is fascinating because I want to understand why are you doing what you're doing? Why, you know, when you say this or you do this or you didn't do this, where is that coming from? What made you think that way or choose those things? What are those motivations? on the one side, or what are the fears that are driving you on the other side? So that's what the Enneagram is. It's looking at essentially each personality type has different motivations and fears behind why they do what they do, which is interesting because is if you were to look at some of the personality types of the Enneagram, you might resonate with one or two of the numbers, maybe even a few of the numbers behaviorally. But if those motivations and fears are not the reason why you do something, that's not your number. Right. And, and uh, one of the things I like about this that I'll tell people is, here's the deal. There's a lot of people online that have done a lot of research on the Enneagram, which is, honestly, it is different than the Myers-Briggs and personality stuff. And I, I think just when you say research, I've heard people say, you know, it's not scientifically based or whatever, like, okay, fine, it might not be. But I've used it and I've talked with people about it. Um, it's very, very helpful. And that's what we're going to talk about today is how it can be helpful for right. you. Right, exactly. So that's the thing is um, there is an argument out there in uh, Enneagram land that should you have, do you have to actually take an Enneagram assessment or can you just look at your number and be like, that's my number. And like, we're not going to get into all that, but um, the part of the reason why I'm bringing it up is that there are so many people that have opined on this, put out websites, put stuff together that when you get into this a little bit, you could, you could be like, okay, my, my partner is a four and I'm a one. So what are the common problems between a one and a four? And there's a lot of stuff out there. I mean, the other thing that's cool is like there are websites that say what it's like when you are healthy, what it's like when you're average, what it's like when you're unhealthy. And so you can look at those and go, wow, I can, you can kind of track where you're, where you're at and other people can track where that's at. And it's what I've also said to people in light of that is, look, if you were to 
marry or couple with uh, another four, you are going to be dealing with these same types of things. It's not just, it's not like this person you married or whatever is, they, they, just, they just keep doing blah, 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 and you hate it. It's like, well, some of that is natural to a four. And some of that could be an un, the way the unhealthy four works, but um, it kind of works to bring a little bit more distance and depersonalization to, to the whole situation because you'd be like, okay, some of this is just wired in. So speaking of, uh, you know, Enneagram and you're like putting into the application before we kind of dive into that, we'll get there in just a second. This can be a really helpful tool. I use it as a consultant with my consulting clients in their businesses and understanding themselves. So if you're a business owner um, or even if you're an employee or if you're just, you know, a, a worker of some kind, you can know yourself and how you tend to operate, like what works for you, what doesn't work for you, some of the struggles you have. That's great just for your own self-awareness of like, oh, I need things to be this way. Or when this happens, I really struggle with that as a personality type. And it doesn't mean that you're pinned down. It just is giving you a description of like, this is how I tend to be. And then, as you said before, there are some movements that you can make toward health or when you're more in stress if you're more unhealthy this is these are what your behaviors are going to look like so it just can give you a whole lot more like awareness about what's going on so anyway this can help you if you're a business owner it also can help you if you're managing people so i do this a lot again with my consulting clients um, group practice owners people that are managing or working with a lot of different people even with some of my clients that have bosses co-workers I'll ask them, um, do you know what, do you know the Enneagram? Do you know what number these people are? Because essentially, like you said, it can give you some awareness and some distance from it. Instead of being like, oh, Jane is so frustrating. You know, why does she always block? It's like when you know the Enneagram, it's like, oh, she's, if she's a four, for example, we're sort of picking on, no, let's do, let's pick another one. If she's a six and she's just always solving problems. Uh, then it's like, oh, this is what happened. She looks at things and she sort of identifies some of the worst case scenario. And then she says, here's what we need to do in order to solve that problem. And instead of being like, she's so negative, you know, she's so fearful. Actually, we can see it as no, she's looking for problems so that she can solve them so that we're not going to struggle with those things or so that they don't become problems, for example. That can give you a lot of awareness in terms of um, working with people so that you're not taking things personally. And it can help you find an avenue for working with people that's much more effective than just seeing something and then reacting to it because you can sort of put it into a category of sorts and then say, oh, this these are some of the tendencies that this person has. So once you get into the Enneagram and you have some idea of what each of these numbers are, and, and like you said before, you can go really deep. You can plunge to the depths of it. Um, in terms of like each number goes somewhere in health and somewhere in stress, and meaning it'll look this way in health and your number will look that way in stress. And you can also go into like each number has a wing or each number has a subtype, which I'll talk about in just a second. You can plunge to the depths of that and then it'll give you a lot of helpful guidance when you're dealing with people. So if you if you have a general idea of what these numbers are, like I do, I, I would say I've read quite a bit, studied quite a bit, worked with people a lot. It has immensely helped me navigate my relationships with people. And people would say, I feel really seen and known, which is already kind of a natural uh, thing for me. But I think they feel like I get them because I have an understanding on the surface of who they might be 
but I'm always there to like sort of check with them. Like, right. is this who you are? Is this how you struggle? And they're like, oh yeah, that is me. And then we can put that in front of us and work together well. Yeah, I think the, the I so I took this uh, the Enneagram actually in grad school. Um, man, like at this point, probably 22 years ago. And my reason for bringing it up is it was kind of considered old then. I don't know when the heck the thing was developed, but the impression I got from from the professor was like, okay, this is one of those things out there. It's been there for a while. Do you happen to know when it started? Yeah, I remember from, there's a, a kind of the intro book on it called The Road Back to You by Ian Crone, I think is his name. Um, and I think it says it's like, it has been around for a really long time, hundreds, if not like thousands of years, the concept of it, Good Lord. but it like became more popular more recently. I mean, obviously like with the whole, you know, psychology movement, you know, from like the 60s and 70s, um, I want to say it sort of picked up steam more around then. Yeah, I think the how it's been helpful to me as a therapist, because I've so I don't know as much about it as you do, um, but I've gotten gotten into I've gotten sucked in. And it is true. Like I'll 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 kind of like figure out this person's number just by talking with them. And then I start imagining things for them. But they're like, yes, that's totally right. You know, it's, it just takes it a little bit of a layer deeper. I mean, I I believe that I was doing fine before, but it is one of those things where it's like, oh, this you can get a lot more specific, even though it's it, granted its surface, but you can get a lot more specific quicker. The other thing that's interesting about this is they have these things called triads, which I don't really understand yet. But for example, my wife is for sure like in the body triad, right? So it, it feels to me like, as I understand it, that the way that she feels or experiences life is with her body, right? And so she might not even know that she's anxious until it floods her mind to be like, okay, that's it. You know, like we'll be we're driving on the road. She's going to, she won't listen to this anyway. <laughs> we'll be driving down the road. And, um, and I'm to where I'm tuned into her and at this point and the radio will be like on commercials or something. And I'll start getting a vibe of like, oh, she's getting anxious. I'll just feel it. And all of a sudden she'll be like, what's going on? She'll turn the, she turns the, the radio off because she just doesn't like the static type of a thing, but it doesn't occur to her until like all of a sudden. Let me jump into triads a little bit, and then I'll tell you about the numbers. Just to, This is just kind of an overview. Um, my hope is that as we unpack this more, you guys will want to get interested in it and um, know yourself better and know your friends, your family members, even your children. They say not to type your children, um, <clears throat> but if you have older children, then it can be really helpful for those relationships. So just getting started, you've got this uh, this circle with all these nine numbers around it, and think of them in clusters of three. Um, so you these triads, you know, tri is three, right? So there are three triads of numbers, three clusters of numbers, and one of them at the top is the body triad or the gut triad, and that's those are the numbers eight, nine, one. Now, just so you know, this is going to go all the way around. It's going to go eight, nine, and then start over at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And then right to complete the circle is your eight and nine. So in the body triad, you've got eight, nine, one. And that means essentially that these people are really in tune with their body, that their body, you know, is essentially like the, the strongest indicator of how they're experiencing the world or the strongest um, sensory kind of a thing that they get from experiencing the world. Typically, they are more disconnected from their emotions as well. They can still be thinkers, strong thinkers and aware of the thoughts, but they're primarily going to be tuned into their body. So when their body is doing something, that's an indication that they're feeling something. 
They don't necessarily know that, but that's how the body works. And emotions manifest themselves in the body, and that's what they experience primarily, right, is the body. So your eight, think about it this way, just as a brief overview of these numbers, the body is, triad is also like the thing that they struggle with is anger. And, and each one of the triads has something that they struggle with. Um, the body triad is anger. The heart triad is shame. And then the head triad is fear. And so we'll get into that in just a second. So if you think about the eight, nine, one, the eight is angry outwardly. The one is angry inwardly at, at themselves for not living up to their own standards. And then the nine in the middle doesn't know that they're, that they're angry. <laughs> and so this is like the nine is like your um, their peacemaker, I think is what it's called. And it's somebody who is like, they go along to get along. Everything's fine until it's not. Well, they're right? like amicable, right? It's very amicable, right? Because they want harmony. They want peace in their relationships. Oftentimes they can be a middle child, right? Where it's like, hey, I just want everything, everybody to get along. And so they'll just be like, yeah, sure. I'm okay with that. Sure. That's fine. That's fine. And then at one point they're like, why do you always blank? It's like, whoa, whoa. I thought you were okay with this. Well, I was until I wasn't, right? So that's your nine. If we move on to the heart triad, we're going clockwise around the circle. You've got the heart triad. So the two, three, four is the heart triad. And these people essentially are like big feelers. Um, so the thing that they primarily experience the world through is their feelings. And they might be less connected to their bodies. They might still be connected to their thoughts as well, meaning they're not as connected to their bodies, meaning maybe they're not aware of what their body is doing. Unless you ask them, then they're like, oh, yeah, I guess I do have a pit in my stomach. I didn't even, I wasn't even aware of that, right? So your two is going to be like your, generally like your helper, somebody that really, like there are a lot of nurses that are twos, um, people that are caretakers. Uh, your three is like your achiever, performer. And then your um, four is oftentimes these are like artists or people that are really creative types because they can be really deep feelers um, and really abstract about things. Um, but as I said before, in this triad, the thing that they struggle with the most is shame and uh, and feeling like their worth is in what they do. And so whether it's helping or whether it's expressing something creatively or whether it's doing something, performing, achieving uh, success, these people are going to struggle a lot with shame. That's going to be one of their big like fears. And then moving lastly to the head triad, um, you've got numbers five, six, and seven to round out those three, right? And then it circles back around to the eight on top. So the five, six, seven is the, the head triad, meaning these people are generally the most connected to their thoughts. And that's how they kind of experience the world is by thinking stuff. And often they are very disconnected from their emotions as well, similarly in some ways to the body triad. Your five is uh, somebody who generally uh, likes to know stuff. They protect themselves well. And I mentioned before that in this triad, fear is like the big thing. These people don't want to experience fear or when a bad feeling comes up, they're like, ah, I want to get away from it. I'm going to do whatever I need to do to kind of get that thing away from me because of some sense of fear. And so for the five, their fear is being unprepared. I don't want to be 
unprepared. So I'm going to know all of the things about all of the things. Very, <laughs> one more thing. Yeah, exactly. And one more thing. They they can just accumulate knowledge like crazy. It's it's pretty incredible. And then you've got your six, which is um, a lo- called a loyalist, meaning they're usually very, very loyal in relationships. I've always heard them called also the skeptic. They also can be a skeptic, yeah, because they're looking at things and looking, again, like for like what is the worst case scenario or where can things go wrong so that they can get ahead of that and anticipate it and solve that problem. And then the seven is... Trying to think, I feel like they're the fun guy. Yeah, the fun guy. Yeah, I was gonna say like a, a playboy. I mean, it can be that way <laughs> as, as well. But they're usually like the life of the party. They're usually somebody who you know enjoys having fun. They enjoy novelty, doing new things. They don't like being bored. They don't like being bored at all. That's terrible for them. Or they don't like negative emotions. Wherever there's like some negative emotional, they usually just try to like tune it out or go another direction. So. Overall, you've got these three triads that kind of define different personalities and how they do things, some of the reasons why, but we can unpack that more in future episodes. But right now, we just wanted to give you an idea that there's this Enneagram out there. And if any of this sounds like you, I want to encourage you to to keep listening because we'll unpack this. And I want you to explore more because you can understand a lot when you know your number and why you do the things that you do. Yeah, one of the things too, I wondered if we probably could give some people some helpful uh, places to go. Unfortunately, it'd be great if we were getting sponsored by some of these places. Sponsor us. I, yeah, I do. I would say, I mean, the Enneagram Institute website um, is a great resource library. Um, they've got a test there that you can take and then tons of articles that you can read there. The There are Enneagram books out there. I mentioned The Road Back to You is a great one. That's a really good starter that gives you an overview of each number. True, I, I like truity.com. It's um, T-R-U-I-T-Y. So, um, I feel like it's really well organized. It's easy to click around on it. And it gives a, it gives a pretty comprehensive summary um, to get you kind of like started. And you can, you can deep dive, as like we said. I mean, we... We are having to stop ourselves right now because we haven't even told you the individual numbers. Not at all. No, you. I mean, and like I mentioned before, each number can have a wing, meaning like if you were a one, you can have like your secondary number that you've got strong characteristics can be like the number on either side of it. And so that it look, it's a certain flavor of each number. And then there's a book out there by Beatrice Chestnut. That also goes into subtypes. That's another great resource if you wanted to get into those where you can read a lot more in depth about how each number comes to whatever that they come through and how they can overcome some of their struggles. So we'll dig into that a lot more as time goes on. But thanks for uh, hearing about this. And again, we just want to help you in your relationships and know yourself and uh, be on your path towards healing and towards growth. Thanks for listening. Have a great day, everyone. We're flying out. Thanks for listening to our show. Don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts to leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also visit our website at www.shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course and sign up for our free email course, Nine Ways to Overcome Fear and Self-Doubt. And you'll get nine weeks worth of customized, practical strategies you can use to get past the fear that's holding you back in your life. Thanks again for listening.